0: Fear is by far the biggest obstacle that gets in the way of us doing what we want to do in our life. Fear that we're not good enough, fear that we don't have what it takes, fear that we'll slip back into old habits, fear that we won't be able to adapt to change. In particular, there are four fears that we'll be discussing today that I've found to be most pertinent to artists and to succeeding in licensing your music. We'll go over each one of those fears and discuss how to overcome them. Let's dive right in. Welcome to the License Your Music podcast where I'm here to help give you all the tools you need to license your music for film, TV, ads, trailers, and more so you can have passive income and obtain creative freedom. I'm your host Jody Friedman. Thanks so much for spending some of your time with me today. If you haven't been by our site at LicenseYourMusic.com, please come by. We have a ton of free content. We update regularly. Today we're going to talk about four Fears that we all deal with as artists, as creators. I deal with them. My colleagues deal with them. Humans deal with these four fears. It's a. These are human fears. They're not just limited to artists, but I think artists deal with them more commonly than others. We're going to talk about those fears, and we're going to go over ways to conquer them, how to overcome these fears, so that we don't stop ourselves from progressing. Because we all get in our own way, and if you don't know that, it's very true. Uh, the main obstacle to your success is you. That's a hard thing to accept, but it's true. We all get in our own way, starting with the fear number one. So let's dive right in. The first fear that I've found uh, not only I deal with and have dealt with myself is self-doubt. It's a very common fear we all have as humans. We all at one point or another doubt our abilities to accomplish things from when we're kids, you know, playing on the playground, climbing up on that rock wall, trying to get to the top, um, swinging on a swing set, learning to walk, learning from crawling to walking. We we are naturally, we doubt that we can do things. Uh, it's human nature, but trying it, trying to, to, trying to attempt it and see if you can do it is the first steps, right? And when it comes to music, we're all our own worst self-critic about our music. And I think that that's what makes art so interesting is that constant voice in our head that says, we need to do better. We need to do better. We need to do better. Our art needs to be different. It needs to be better. And even the best artists today, they're constantly questioning their art, trying to one-up themselves. So I want to give you several examples of this self-doubt within myself. Uh, In times in my life, in my artist career, in my journey that I've encountered self-doubt and dealt with it. One of them was when I was living in New York and I recorded a, a I called it an EP. I don't know why. It was nine songs. Who does a nine-song EP? But whatever. It was nine songs. One of them was an instrumental interlude. It was the second time I'd gone into the studio. I'd actually done another EP uh, like four years earlier in Atlanta, maybe three years earlier in Atlanta. It was a five-song EP um, where I went in the studio. So, you know, I'm getting better at being a recording artist, but still I have that self-doubt along the way. And that's probably why I kept and keep releasing all these EPs. It's like, yeah... That previous product isn't great. I doubt it. I need to put something better out in the market. And I think that's something that artists are constantly doing, trying to one-up themselves. And I think that's actually what makes art so great, is that you challenge yourself to do better and better and better. Uh, But anyway, where did this self-doubt come into play in my career? I I worked at CNN at the time, and I was working on Showbiz Tonight on CNN, um, I think it was on Headline News Network. Maybe. No, it, was, may, it might have been CNN proper. But regardless, uh, Showbiz Tonight and, and Randy Jackson and Paula Abdul uh, were coming to the studio as guests uh, to promote this DVD they were rele- were releasing uh, about vocal coaching. So they did this DVD thing. I have a copy of it. They gave me a copy of it. And it's uh, Randy Jackson and Paula Abdul coaching, doing uh, vocal coaching. OK, American Idol was in its heyday. It was like season four of American Idol. Uh, maybe season five even. So they came into the studio and you know me, I'm like, I'm, uh, you don't know me, but you're going to know me. I'm a recording artist and I'm, all I cared about was getting a record deal. And yeah, I worked at CNN. I had a job, but dude, I wanted to get signed. Right. Uh, and without thinking as most artists who don't understand the business do, I'm just like, Hey, Randy, great to meet you. I shook his hand. I had the CD and I passed it to him and it wasn't really a cool thing to do, um, especially because I was working there. Uh, So it was not a a really proper thing to do. But regardless, he was nice enough to take a minute, and he he took it from me. I remember he looked at my CD. He took it and said, nice, man, what what, what type of music? And I told him, you know, folk, singer, songwriter stuff. And I said to him, I said, I remember saying, you know, it's about as good as I can do today. I'm I'm kind of my own worst self-critic. That's what I said to him. Which is not a great thing to say when you're pitching your music to someone because then you, you immediately plant implant into their mind that, okay, this kid's not where he needs to be for me to listen. It's probably what Randy was thinking at that time. But what he said to me was very cool. He said, we all are, my friend, we all are. And he wasn't talking about people. He was talking about us artists, us creators, us musicians. And it was a really cool moment. I just wanted to share that story with you because it's, just a reminder that from, you know, the the very first time when you're creating your art to when you are a superstar, we all have self-doubt. Even guys like Randy Jackson, who's played from anything from Sister Sledge to Mariah Carey, Nick Cannon, Bob Dylan, Michael Jackson, Aretha Franklin, Journey, Billy Joel, Bruce Springsteen. Okay, another example. When I moved out to Los Angeles back in 2006, I had recorded an EP, um, in 2005. And I linked up with a producer out here by the name of Mud Rock. He had produced uh, a lot of hard rock, heavy metal, punk bands. And he was working on a, 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 some friends of mine. He was working on producing their album. And I met with them in the studio. And of course, I'm an artist. I'm like, hey, dude, I have this this album. I'd love for you to listen to it. And he was nice enough to take the time and listen to this album. And I was definitely critical about this album. It was my first um, my first album that I had ever really recorded uh, in a professional studio. And I was very, very um critical about it I still am today in fact, I removed it from a lot of the stores because I'm not too happy with it. My point of this story is that I doubted myself and I submitted it to him or let him asked him to listen to it and he he listened to it and he did the the, the best thing possible is he got me honest feedback on it he said, dude, I think you need to redo this and me being the um, defensive artist as as a lot of us can be. Uh, At times, I said, no, 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 it's good as is. I'd rather just record something new. And frankly, it was a missed opportunity for me. He was willing to re-record it with me, get it up, polished up, get it where it needed to be. Uh, And I said, no, no, I disagree. It's good as it is. Let's leave it. So there's two things going on there. One, it was stubbornness and defensiveness uh, for my art, thinking that my art is as good as it's going to be. I can't learn anything else from you here. Let's just move on to the next project. That's not a good way to be. Um, what I should have said to him was, wow, thank you. I never thought of it like that. You have some good points. Yeah, what did you have in mind? And kept that collaborative conversation going. So it, we're all, we all go through this. And even today when I'm producing products um, that I'm aiming for trailers for or to put in an ad, uh, I question it. And it always helps to, have, to bounce some ideas off of my, my business partner or a colleague um, or a fellow artist or my wife you know, just somebody to bounce that idea off to say, is this really good or am I crazy? Or is this really bad? (laughs) And, uh, you know, that's a common fear we all deal with and it's only natural. So I think it helps to have people to bounce ideas off of a way to overcome It's just to keep listening to your product and ask yourself how it compares to other products on the market. And the music can't lie, folks, the music can't lie. If you listen to your song and it's in the vein of someone else's song, and you go listen to, let's say it's a Taylor Swift-style song that you just wrote, and you go listen to Taylor Swift's latest song, does your song really hold up to Taylor Swift's latest song? Is it comparable to that in production quality, in performance, in songwriting, in arrangement? If it does, you're on the right track. If there's something about it that's different, you need to listen with a keen ear and really pay attention to what is it that separates that record from your record. Is it the mix? Is it the way she delivers her consonants and her vowels? Is it the lyrics? Is it the weight of the lyrics? Is it the words that she's choosing? What is it? Look under the hood, take the engine apart, rebuild it. That's a great way to examine your product and really think about what you can do to get it ready. And it's something that was taught to me by a woman named Judy Stakey. Uh, through one of her songwriting courses uh, many years back. And Judy had worked with, at Warner Chapel, with Katy Perry and uh, many, many uh, Don Henley, many talented songwriters over the years. You know, she had a long career there, and her job was to work with the songwriters and develop them. And this method of taking it apart and rebuilding, I was, Judy taught me that, and I highly recommend it because it, it changed my whole approach. And I should mention that this process of A being song, what I mean by that is. Does the A song sound the same as the B song? If you've never heard that that slang before. Um, A being songs, comparing them to see how similar they are. That whole process of song analyzation, record analyzation, um, that is at the core of music licensing and music supervision is having the ability to listen to a song, usually called a temp song, which means a song that's temporarily being used while they search for replacement options for that project. Your skill set to be able to listen to a temp song and compare it or dissect it to analyze it and to define what works about it, not just musically speaking, but what works for that scene. How does it serve the scene? Is it supportive? Is it the lyric that they like about it? Because sometimes both music supervisors and producers, they don't communicate that to you. You have to study it and you have to understand and at least try to understand what is working about the song. So that allows you to then suggest alternate options for that song, which leads to a song getting licensed. Kind of a tangent there, but I wanted to touch on it because it's all relative and this is all related to music licensing, which is why you're all listening. You want to learn more about music licensing. And this all ties together, okay? So I recognize we got away from the fear number one, which is self-doubt. But uh, here we are. The number two fear, viewing tasks as insurmountable, okay? So when you look at someone who's had success, you see all the success that they've had and you think, oh, I'm never going to get there. That's, that's too big of a mountain to climb. Let, let's say you want to be, um, well, I'll use my own example, okay? Uh, I want to be composing music for trailers, start to finish self-contained trailer composer. I look at the trailer composers around me that are doing this and they have been doing it for years and I've been composing for on and off for a year and a half, but not with any sort of consistency because I have to take breaks to work and focus on other things. But instead of seeing it, at first I saw it as an insurmountable task and then I thought, you know what, I'm just gonna try to learn about plugins because it's computers, it's programming, My father raised me on computers, on MS-DOS. I know how to program. I can learn this. I can learn these plugins, and it's almost like playing a video game, right? Um, So I thought, I'll learn that first, and then I'll focus on the rest of it, the orchestration, the sound design, and all that goes with trailer composing. So I broke it down to the first step. Instead of viewing all these things I had to learn, which I was at first, and I was so overwhelmed by the thought that I just wouldn't start It was too much to take on. So taking that big mountain to climb and simplifying it, breaking it down to one simple step, one simple goal. And the first thing I did was I upgraded my software. I downloaded the plugins I needed. And I started learning. I started watching videos, taking courses to learn about the process. And that's the first step is learning. Uh, It took about a year and a half until I hit my final goal. My final goal was not, at this point, was not having a bunch of songs composed by Jody Friedman in trailers. It was composing a piece from start to finish on my own that I was proud of. And I've done that. I've created a piece start to finish that I'm proud of, that I've played for colleagues, and they said, yeah, it's great. So I'm happy that I accomplished that goal. And now I've stepped back from that. I accomplished my first goal, and when I'm ready to revisit it, I know now I've done it, and I can pick up from where I left off and keep developing that skill set, okay? So breaking down tasks that seem insurmountable, um, when it comes to licensing music, there's so much involved in licensing your music. And the first step, I think, and the way that I went about it is understanding the business. And you'll hear me talk about this a lot. And this is what my course on LicenseYourMusic.com, my masterclasses, is is really about. It's understanding the business. I got in in it from the business perspective, from learning from a music publisher's perspective. We are all our own publishers. We are all our own producers, our own songwriters when we create songs, and you are your own publisher until you assign those rights to someone else. And you're within your right to say, I don't wanna do the publishing, I want someone else to handle that. But it's still important for you to understand what publishing is and what comes with that title that you, by, by copyright law, obtain. When you create a product, when you create a a song, uh, when you create a record, you own that copyright. You are your own publisher and you can go exploit that copyright if you want to. So my course on on my website, The Masterclass, talks about that a bit and we'll have some other, um, probably mini courses at some point about music publishing in particular. So taking seemingly insurmountable tasks and breaking them down to tasks that you can accomplish. Instead of trying to climb Mount Everest, just going to go to this local mountaintop and climb that first, okay? You don't go right to Everest. You you train, you practice, you get in shape, you start eating better, you drink a lot of water, you start practicing climbing mountains that are smaller than Everest, uh, you change to practicing in climate similar to Everest, and then eventually you get to the point where you attempt Everest, but you don't start off going for Mount Everest. Number three, our inability to compete. This is one that I think really used to be so true. Uh, it was very hard to compete before the digital age. If you weren't signed to a record label, uh, if you weren't discovered at a nightclub and brought in by a, a record label with or a, a publisher signing you to a, a songwriting deal, and they would finance the whole thing, give you the ability to get in the studio and use all the gear and set you up with players you know bring in the the players for the session that i think is how it used to be but today the amazing thing about the the world we live in today is that the playing field has really leveled there are courses you can take in how to play the violin how to record vocals how to mix how to master uh, my music licensing course Uh, there are all sorts of options nowadays that can bring you up to speed. Our ability to compete on a competitive professional level has changed immensely over the past five years alone. Uh, It's 2020 right now, the end of 2020. Uh, You're probably listening to this in 2021 or later. It is so possible to compete with other professional players, writers, producers that you hear on the radio on TV shows, in films, in ads, in trailers. They have the same access that you have. It's just taking that step to learning something and applying yourself, okay? I didn't think I was capable of being a hands-on producer. I knew I could executive produce and oversee projects and say, hey, let's try something different, this here and there. I did not think I could be a hands-on producer because I just didn't think I could compete on that level. Once I started diving into it, and learning it and enjoying it, I genuinely found that I enjoyed it. It just came to be that naturally I'm now producing my own materials. I'm not the best at it. I still have a lot to learn, but it's all accessible. It's all possible with the internet. So fear number one, being your own worst self-critic and self-doubt. Fear number two, viewing tasks as insurmountable. The solution changed the perspective Simplify the tasks, make them ones that you can conquer one at a time. Fear number three, our fear that we are not capable of competing on a professional level. It's complete nonsense. We absolutely can compete on a professional level, especially in the digital age. And the final fear number four, which ties directly into viewing tasks as being insurmountable, is finding the time to do all of this. Where do we find the time? In life, you've got families, bills, relationships, friendships, work, soccer practice, football practice, baseball, dance, theater, whatever it might be that you have to do in life. This is all part of life. So where do we find the time to do all of this? This goes back to simplifying your tasks and Scheduling them into your schedule. If you're determined to do this, you'll find the time, you'll make the time. I've always found that where there's a will, there's a way. I know it sounds cheesy, but it's true. If you're determined, you will find the time, you will make the time. You have to schedule it, put it into the calendar. You might have to not do something else for one week and do it every other week, but simplify the tasks. Just make it this year. I want to learn how to orchestrate for strings. Man, that would be cool to know how to blend cello with violin and viola and the bass. How can I create a string quartet properly and orchestrate it properly? What do I need to do between January and December to accomplish that? This year, I wanna license one song to a TV show. What steps do I need to take to accomplish that? And then figure out that plan and schedule in those times and those days. That's quite an accomplishment to do in one year. If you learn how to orchestrate for strings in a year, you can do a lot. You can grow from there. And next year, you can learn how to orchestrate for brass. If you learn how to license one song to a TV show this year, next year, you're going to do three songs. And the following year, six. And then 10. And 12. And 20. And 30. And 40. You get the idea. It's also good to be conscious of the fact that we waste a lot of time during the day. Apparently, if you want to reply to your email, the thing to do is to send it early in the morning between 6 a.m. and 7 a.m. Reply rates to email are the highest in the morning. People come into the office, 9 a.m., they sit down, they go through their emails, they reply. It's about 45% higher in the morning than it is later in the day. For meetings, 3 p.m. on Tuesdays are better than Monday morning at 9 a.m. People are less likely to attend a Monday morning 9 a.m. meeting and be fully committed. 3 p.m. on Tuesday, the stats are better. And apparently moral awareness is better in the morning. So if you're interviewing for a job or asking for a raise, morning would be better. So my point about that is that you need to be selective with your time and what you spend your time on. A lot of you listening are people pleasers and you're concerned with pleasing everybody. And you don't have to please everybody. There are some emails that you don't have to respond to. There are some people that will reach out to you and ask for something that you'd like, maybe like to do with them, but you have to be able to say, thanks for asking, but now's not a great time. Follow up with me next year. Deciding on what's most important to prioritize and to make time for. All right, let's summarize again. Four fears that we all deal with and how to conquer them. Number one, being your own worst self-critic. Accept that that's just part of being an artist. But make sure that you compare your product with your ears. Use your ears to listen to other products to make sure yours is truly on par with what they're creating. Number two, viewing tasks as insurmountable. Simplify those tasks. Make them simple individual tasks that can get you to the grand picture. It can get you to the final goal. It can get you to the top of Everest. Number three, our inability to compete. Recognize that that is not the case whatsoever. We live in the digital age where everything knowledge is at our fingertips. It is completely accessible, and you are absolutely capable of competing with the pros. And number four, finding the time to balance life and work because. This is creation. Yes, it's fun. We're very lucky. We're very fortunate to do something like this. It's a gift we all have been given to create art and create music, but it is work. And you have to find the time and the balance to balance that with life and family and all that life has to offer. I'm Jody Friedman, your host of the License Your Music podcast. Come by our website, licenseyourmusic.com. Grab our free ebook on how to get your music heard by music supervisors. Check out our Facebook group, License Your Music with Jody Friedman, Instagram, at License Your Music. Come by our YouTube channel, where you can check out our music licensing tips of the day and other fun videos that we're going to be uploading over the next year. Thanks so much for listening. See you on the next podcast. Stay cool. Peace.